This podcast is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Your Money on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here is Professor Ken Smethers. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Your Money here in Sirius Business Radio, Channel 132. That's powered by the Wharton School. I'm Ken Smethers, a professor here at the Wharton campus in Philadelphia, and we are live every Tuesdays from 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern. That's 2 to 4 p.m. for those of you in the West Coast. And the purpose of the show is simply to help you make better decisions with your own money. We often focus on ways to increase your productivity and your income, but mostly we focus on ways to wisely spend and save that money, including doing things like paying down debts, buying insurance, and of course, how to invest your money. Yeah, with that, let me introduce my first guest, Jennifer Fitzpatrick, who is a gerontologist and author of Cruising Through Caregiving, Reducing the Stress of Taking Care of Your Loved One, and uh, a, a longtime instructor at uh, John, uh, Johns Hopkins University and a popular media expert as well. She's been featured in many uh, outlets, including Forbes, Fast Company, Reader's Digest, uh, HuffPost, and many, many others. Welcome back to the show, Jennifer. Thanks so much, Kent. And if you have a question for Jennifer and myself on assisted living uh, in particular, it's uh, trying to deal with an, uh, maybe an aging parent or how to plan for it yourself, now's a great time again to give us a call here at one eight four four Wharton, just like the school name. That would be great. I'd love some questions. W-H-A-R-T-O-N. That's 1-844-942-7866. So, Jennifer, just let's just start with some definitions here because sometimes it's confusing. You hear about nursing, skilled nursing, assisted living. Let's separate them out. What what do we mean by assisted living? So assisted living is basically just what it says. So you need some assistance in living. With nursing home, it's typically that you have really, really much more, that you need the, the attention more frequently of nurses and people that have skilled, skilled, uh, uh, degrees. So, for example, in an assisted living, they're going to have nurses, they're going to have healthcare professionals, but you probably don't need constant attention from a doctor or a nurse or a therapist. Whereas in in a nursing home, you do more. So, assisted living is is more often it's you're going to have more independence. There's often going to be more activities for you, and the, there's a lot of great options right now in assisted living. So, most people consider assisted living to be much less restrictive than a nursing. Home. Yeah, and as you hinted that, there's even people are thinking much more about integration of, of kind of a full, you know, life path there um, between assisted living, nursing, um, is, is skilled uh, nursing, and so forth. I mean, as you know, Jennifer, people people have been talking about this, you know, aging in place kind of concept um, for a while. Try to do as best as you can in your current home and see, um, you know, maybe movements in technology and your kids can monitor you better and and, and so forth. Given all that, though, when is it the be- you know when is the best time to kind of move on from your house with that maybe has stairs and things like that to an assisted living f- uh, facility? The best time is before. 
before you really, really need help. So there's a window. So if you start finding that you're having hospitalizations, maybe a little bit more frequently, maybe your kids are coming over more often and having to bring you meals. Maybe you have had issues with, like you said, Kent, the stairs. If you're having issues like that and they're happening more repeatedly, again, more hospitalizations, more trips to the emergency department, that's probably a sign that it's time to consider it And what happens sometimes, sadly, you mentioned nursing home, is that people sort of skip the step of going to assisted living. They they decline so much that they really are only fit for a nursing home. So when when you start to have some decline, we want you to just go out and look. Take a look and see what's out there for assisted living. Yeah, one of the reasons I I think that people often skip and assisted living. There's really kind of two reasons. The one is the financial, in terms of what co- you know what covers it. Medicaid's right. not going to uh, cover that, like it will skilled nursing. And but then, of course, you know the the denial that we often you know want want to deny that we are aging and need some extra care until it's too late. Let's talk, first talk about the the finances here. Um, so certainly, if you're really poor, you have limited income, you have limited um, assets as well. You know, Medicaid can pick up some, um, you know, of the um, uh, skilled nursing care toward the end of life and things like that. Let's talk about ways of paying for kind of assisted living. We know that so much of the long-term care insurance market is, is evaporated. There's still players, but a lot of it has gone away. Um, t- so talk to, about the financing options, whether it's self-financing, um, Medicare, Medicaid, uh, help, help the okay, listener think so through that. Medicare is, I can pretty much say, is never going to pay for That's assisted right. living. Yeah. So Medicaid, though, in some states, will pay for the less expensive types of assisted living. Yeah. So, but again, you have to qualify, and you have to meet the criteria for Medicaid. So the vast majority of assisted living is going to be private pay. So... What do I recommend to folks? So obviously, like you mentioned, long-term care insurance. And I'll tell you, Kent, I'm in my early 40s. Sorry, mid-40s now. I have long-term care insurance. Good for you. Um, and I, I think you know that's something you want to com- have a conversation with your, your financial professional about yeah. if it's the right fit for you. But as far as uh, you want to talk to your veterans, as um, the, the VA, if you're a veteran or if you're the spouse of a veteran, there are programs for you potentially that can contribute toward your assisted living yeah. costs. You also want to not be too proud to allow family, if they're capable, to contribute. And I just want to give you an example. Like mm. in my own family, when my grandma was sick, a bunch of us, uh, 11 of us, all the family members that were over 30 years old, we all contributed toward her home care. Mm. We wanted her to go to assisted living, and it, it just didn't happen. But we all contributed a certain amount, and she balked at that. She hated that. But we finally convinced her that us giving a little bit of all of our money each month was actually taking pressure off of us. It wasn't, a, we, 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 you know, we got her to understand it wasn't a pride thing for her. It's, we'd rather give some money toward having an aid in the home rather than us have to take off of work or, you know, we still did some of that. But if your family members are offering to help out, consider it. Have the conversation. Now, Kent, you and I have had many conversations. We certainly don't want family members jeopardizing their future about college, uh, paying for college for kids or your own retirement. But if you can afford it, if your family members can afford it, say you have a certain amount from Social Security, pension, and then your kids say, hey, we're going to pick up the rest. Don't be so quick to say absolutely not. Right, right. I mean, uh, like you said, it can, it's, it can 
happen um, in your kids could be uh, bearing the cost in many different ways, including having to take off work or you know, <laughs> things get bad enough. You just move in with them. And so um, it may be yeah, to their own advantage to try to figure exactly. out something ahead of time. And in some cases, what we don't see this often, but this is what happened in my family. Um, you know, my mother moved in with one of my siblings and then a couple of us contributed to the building out that house mm-hmm. uh, a little bit more. I mean, uh, how often do you see that? I mean, it's been, you know, in some cases you even have some states that have zoning laws about grandmother suites and that made it really hard. And some states like Oregon recently passed laws that actually prohibited local cities from passing um, zoning laws that made it grandmother suites a little bit harder um, to, um, uh, 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 or that made it harder. So it, it essentially opened up um, and um, said that those things should be allowed. How often do you see kind of the build versus the money option? So I think it just depends on the family. Yeah. I mean, there's not, in Christmas or caregiving, I talk about the fact that there's not one size fits all. So for some people, building that addition is great, or your house is already equipped. You move mom in, great. But for some families, that does not work out. Maybe your mom doesn't get along with your spouse. Yeah. Or maybe she has dementia, and it's just going to be too physically taxing for you and your, your family to take care of her. So I think we always have to have options on the table, home care, moving mom in, maybe family and friends checking on mom, or, again, assisted living. And I just want to mention that your mm-hmm. listeners can get a free copy of Cruising Through Caregiving from Arden Courts if they call 888 478 2410, so you can get a free copy of Cruising Through Caregiving from Arden Courts. Great. Fantastic. And again, speaking of Jennifer, Fitzpatrick is the author of uh, Cruising Through Caregiving, a, a, a gerontologist um, and uh, an instructor at Johns Hopkins University. If you have any, any question for her, now's a great time to talk. Um, uh, ask a pro about, especially uh, regarding assisted living. Um, the number here is 1-844-WARTON. It's 1-844-942-7866. So we were kind of somewhat broached the topic, but it's a, it's a challenging one, uh, trying to convince mom, you know, uh, that maybe assisted living is the next best step. And so we already talked about, hey, let's help you with the finances. How do you convince mom, hey, it really is time to leave the home? You're you're having a hard time getting upstairs. You're maybe tripping too much, falling, uh, things like that. What what are the best kind of methods for having that conversation? Well, the first thing I want to say to your listeners is if your loved one has dementia and it's advanced you probably do not want to have that conversation. Uh, you want to just make the plans because you might have the conversation. You're trying to reason with mom, and maybe she seems to understand right now. And, you know, tomorrow she doesn't. She doesn't even remember you had it. So let yourself off the hook. If mom has dementia, you might not want to even have these conversations. But for anybody else, mom, dad, whoever it is, they don't have dementia. First thing is, Know that it's probably not going to be an immediate yes. <laughs> Most of us, yeah. I mean, I'll take Kent, like my husband and I talk about it all the time. We're planning that we're, you know, probably going to need a level of care at some point when we get older. Uh, I think that's generational. Most of the older generations, they do want to stay at home for as long as possible. And so know that the first conversation that you have with your loved one is probably not going to be, sure, let's move. But some things that we can do is one, Uh, talk about how it's impacting you. So if you're over there all the time cooking and picking up after her and you're getting woken up in the middle of the night Mm -hmm. because she's going to the emergency room, talk about how, you know what, I've been late to work four times in the last six weeks or, Mm -hmm. you know,
you know what? I haven't been to my kids' sports events in the last couple months. Or my sister is, is sick again because she's been over here taking care of you. The two of us are sharing these responsibilities. And I'm not saying guilt trip your loved one, but talk to them about the consequences that it's having on the entire family yeah. unit. Your elderly loved one is very, very important, mm. but so is everybody else in the family. So talk to them about the consequences and then look for natural openings. So if you, especially if you see somebody that maybe is a peer of your loved one who recently went to a nursing home, you know, talk about maybe that person waited too long. What we see a lot of times is people wait until their conditions get so bad that they're really not able to qualify uh, medically, not financially, but medically for assisted living. So. Yeah. Look for natural openings about, you know, when there's maybe you have a you have a, mo- a friend's mom who is going to assisted living and likes it or when your loved one has a family or friend that is experiencing that as well. Yeah. As you probably know, there's been a lot of activity in the assisted living uh, area. And I'm not sure how much you cover this, but on the real estate side, people are starting to trying to reinvent assisted living so it's more of a graduated kind of you know aging in place, and so it doesn't come across as so you know um, I, I don't know it's kind of pre nursing home ish linoleum and so forth. I mean your your sense. I mean, if you have have you seen any kind of models that are kind of excited you uh, oh, right yeah. now? Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. So I think that. Most listen. There are some, there's different levels of assisted living based on price and and need. So if you're going to say like an Arden Courts, like a senior living that has just dementia care, that's going to be quite different than sure. a senior living community that is just independent, independent and assisted that doesn't really do a whole lot of dementia. Um, but yeah, I mean, I go into senior living communities all the time. I come home and I say to my husband, I, I would move us in there today if if it was you know if it was maybe that apartment was a little bigger and they took people our age. I mean, I mean, there's places that are very exciting. So I think that's the other that's the other uh, obstacle sometimes is a lot of the generation that we're trying to talk to about assisted living is thinking that it's a nursing home. They don't yeah. like you brought up in the beginning, Kent. There's levels, and not everybody understands that there's levels. Yeah, I mean, another thing that we are starting to see is, of course, a reurbanization in the sense that a lot of older people are moving back into mm-hmm. the cities because it's an apartment building, single floor. They can take the elevator up. Um, uh, things like that. In, in some sense, they're you know, it's not quite assisted living, but you do have the doorman and so forth. I mean, obviously, it's hard to say that that's necessarily wrong, but do you see that as potentially dangerous if like, people are using that as a substitute? Well, I think there are levels. So there are, like you said, there's. I, I've seen a lot of that in D.C. and Philly and Chicago. I was actually in Chicago recently, saw a model like that. Um, yeah, absolutely. There, if it's independent slash assisted living, mm-hmm. that's what you've got to look for. So perhaps there are levels, and if you need more care at some point, that you can upgrade and purchase those services. So I think that it's okay. I think I think all these models are terrific. I think it's wonderful to have more models than than less models, and you know, having those urban options because some people that's what they want, especially if they grew up in the city and they've always lived downtown. That's what they would like to continue doing. So I think it's all of that can be good. I think the problem comes in is when you're in 
the inappropriate level of care. So, yeah. for example, you're in an, an independent living and you really need assisted living. That's when you've got a problem. Yeah. I mean, it, one of the things I've been concerned about is I just had a friend who bought a, a condo in a very expensive uh, a building in a, a, in a particular city and a pretty expensive city. Single floor. It's perfect. You know, him, him and his spouse can kind of age in place. But there was nothing graduated about with the, uh, um, anything else in the in the building. It's not like there was options for assisted living, and it's not like an apartment where he just now moves and goes to an assisted living facility. It's you know now it's a cell at the condo and so forth. You know, my, it, so I guess my concern is sometimes I think people are being a little bit unrealistic um, and thinking that they can you know do it all them themselves and they're, they're not going to need that help. Well, and if it works today and you're 75, that's great. But yeah. what if you're 85? What if you're 90? And, it's, and, you know, it's hard to visualize yourself 10 years out, but right. it's important to, to think about that and to try to try to look down the road. Like, you know, what if what if I do have, you know, a double knee replacement? You know, what if, what's going to happen? I mean, how am I going to get around? So those types of things and a- anticipating, I think that those are really, you, you really want to look at trying to be able to be at the, uh, if you move in, you know, at least five to 10 years, like, are you going to still be okay in this choice? Yeah, absolutely. And then I've seen this in surveys and I've even seen this anecdotally talking to some people have been doing this is that it's like they don't want to be around old people. That's what they say. <laughs> no, it, people, when they're older, they don't really think themselves as older. No, I, I want to be around never. kind of younger people and so forth. You know, people my age, you know, and, and I think it's, you know, uh, trying to figure out that business model of how do we create that environment where it doesn't seem like you're just around um, people who are actually are your age, but give you some sense of youth and so forth. Uh, but it's to do that in a place that you can still, you know, age in place. Place. And speaking again with Jennifer Fitzpatrick, a financial gerontologist, instructor at uh, Johns Hopkins University, again, the author of Cruising Through Care, Giving, Reducing the Stress of Caring for Your Loved One. We're talking about um, assisted living. So let's talk about two kind of big issues, and these are the harder ones, in my opinion, and that is you had some fantastic hints of how to try to get your loved one to move to an assisted living. In the end, they just say, simply say no. I mean, Yes, one lever is that you just apply more guilt. I mean, okay, um, <laughs> but what are some other options? Great, I mean, great, if, there, question, if there's good. if there's a dementia issue, there, there's maybe some even legal recourse that can happen right. there. Right. Uh, but you know, outside of that, or you maybe talk a little bit about that. But then there are there are other options, right? Sure. So the, so if they say outright no, and again, in, in cruising through caregiving, I talk about the concept: we are all adults. Yeah. Your older loved sure. one is an adult. Uh, and if they don't have dementia, you really don't have any right to say, hey, you're moving, you have to. You, you actually can't do that. However, what you can do is set good boundaries. And so you, I'm going to give you an example with my grandma when she didn't want to have any help in the home. And uh, some, my dad, for example, said, you know, I'm not sleeping over there anymore. Mm. If I get a call, I, I've had it. I'm, I'm not getting a good night's sleep. And so that was a boundary that he set. So if you're bringing meals over four times a week, maybe say, Mom, I can come over twice a week, but I can't come over four times a week. What we see a lot of times is one of the reasons that people say, nope, not going to assisted living, is because the adult kids and nieces and nephews, they're propping them up. So they don't think they need help. 
Yeah, it's so a, set boundaries. It's the classic what economists refer to as the Samaritan's dilemma, a uh, problem. But you're, you're absolutely a, a good point, and that is uh, really setting those boundaries. I think is a very good kind of nudge factor. Okay, so now you've convinced them, you know, to move. Uh, how do you deal with the guilt? I mean, <laughs> that's uh, I don't know if this is just something in my family, but uh, guilt is a big, you know, motivation in many families. Well, yeah, it is, I think, in a lot of families. It, are, did you earn the guilt? That's what I always ask. Did you earn this guilt? What, what does that mean? What, did, you, did you do anything actually morally mm. wrong, according mm. to your own morals? You know, and, and when I say that, it's like, you know, if you're beating your mother, yes, you should feel sure, guilty. Sure, sure. If you're withholding food and medicine, yes, feel guilty. But if you're saying, you know what, I can't sleep over my mother's every night. I, I, can't, I don't want to quit my job because I want to you know, have career fulfillment. You know, I, I, I want to be able to make my kids basketball games. That Those are not things you should feel guilty about. You, There are countless people out there who do nothing for their older parents. Yeah. And maybe they should feel a twinge of guilt. But if you're doing the best that you can, but you're saying, look, I have boundaries. I need to have a life. And by the way, you're going to get sick of them. If you're doing everything for them, you're going to get sick of them. And your parent is going to get sick of you. So you, you need to have help and you need to say to yourself so get seek support from somebody whether it's you know i'm a clinical social worker so i think everybody needs therapy um <laughs> go to a therapist go to a support group or find a good friend who has your best interest at heart and call that person when you start feeling guilty have them talk you off the ledge interesting so you're, you're basically saying you know the fact that my mother gave birth to me is not a good enough reason for me to feel guilty my entire life no absolutely yeah. not yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree with that. It doesn't work in my household, but that's usually a good, a good reason to feel guilty. I'm like somewhat yeah, kidding there. Absolutely. So, yeah. So in terms of you know assisted living, of course, there's a price tag with that, and as you pointed out, Medicare almost never covers that. Mm-hmm. Medicaid sometimes, and of course, Medicaid usually is kicking in at the more extreme end of skilled nursing, and again with the asset and income test. I mean, so if someone can't afford assisted living, we kind of broached that topic a little bit earlier, uh, but what are some options there? So there's a lot of options. So listen, is it easier if you have a budget? Yes. Yes. It's going to be, it's, you're going to have more options, put it that way. Um, but if you, if you don't have as much money, so one great program that I want to tell your listeners about, especially mm. if your loved one has dementia, uh, is Hilarity for Charity. Mm. And hilarityforcharity.org is the charity started by Seth and Lauren Rogan, Seth Rogan, the actor, and his wife, whose mom has a young onset Alzheimer's. And they have a grant program. It's actually a really robust grant program yeah. that offers grants to families who are caring for a loved one with dementia in not just the United States, but in Canada. So if you are struggling financially and you want some help in the home, I would suggest you go that route if you really, you know, if you really need some extra help. And it's not just for, it's not like just for people who are Medicaid eligible. It's, they, they, they work with folks in the middle as well. So I would check them out, hilarityforcharity.org. Um, I would, in my book, Cruising Through Caregiving, I, I have this MET exercise. And again, if you want to get a copy of that book, any of the Arden Courts, actually, they're limiting it to the first 100 callers, Arden Courts Memory Care, 888-478-2410, 888-478-2410. But in that Cruising Through Caregiving book is the MET exercise. And this exercise 
is an, it's about a 15-minute exercise that helps caregivers identify free and low-cost help in their area through friends, family, neighbors, acquaintances, and nonprofit organizations that are near them. So it's a quick exercise. I know 15 minutes, 20 minutes is a lot when you're a caregiver, but I recommend that you do that. Um, and th- that would be a way. And so the other things are the Alzheimer's Association. If your loved one has Alzheimer's, go to ALZ.org. Call them, go to their website, and say, look, this is what I'm facing. What are the free and low-cost programs in my area? You might be qualified for a grant for some home care there. Or, who knows, maybe they know of a low-cost senior living community that might be appropriate for your loved one. Any um, illness that your loved one might have, so say, heaven forbid, your loved one has cancer, go to the American Cancer Society, make a friend at their office there and say, look, I want to be on the mailing list for programs and services. It's more piecemeal, Kent. It's not perfect. Mm. Listen, nothing in caregiving is perfect. If you have a budget, you're going to have more options. But be be aware that you don't have to do it by yourself. In fact, I actually just got called by a church, a big church conglomerate in the Midwest, um, that's training all of their parish nurses on how to do um, a better job in hooking up their parishioners mm. with um, with uh, volunteers at the church who, if they're dealing with a caregiving situation and they need respite. So look to your faith community, look to your friends, look to your neighbors. You might there are people caregiving all the time and they're lamenting and saying, ah, my sister that lives out in Texas, she does nothing. I do everything. Yeah. Well, you know what? That might be true, but maybe there's a neighbor that will stay with your mom while you go grocery shopping, or maybe there's a friend who will mow your lawn or shovel your snow while you are taking care of your dad. Um, I think sometimes we, tr- we, you know, and when we get into that tough mindset of caregiving, we focus on who's not helping and we, we close our eyes to who would be there for us. Yeah, yeah. Then, then finally, uh, last question here. Let's talk about trying to afford uh, long-term care by selling the home. One of the things that always struck me about the data is, you know, those great data sets, the, the head and the health and retirement survey. Um, and it shows what I was always surprised about is a fair amount of transition where some people go into some type of you know, assisted living facility and then they actually transit back to their home. In some cases, it's it's more of a temporary um, thing. Um, but let's suppose we're talking about cases where it's not going to revert that, that way, that it, it's very clear you're going to be in assisted living and then graduating from there. Um, you know, to nursing care um, after that. Uh, how do you th- suggest that people should be thinking about how to sell their home while trying to trying to pay uh, for assisted living? Well, you're probably not going to like me saying this, yeah. but I think sometimes, sometimes, I, I know it's really controversial, but sometimes maybe considering a reverse mortgage, sure. again, talk to your financial professional. It's definitely not the best thing for most people, but sometimes yeah. it might be appropriate. It might be the sort of thing where if you ha- your family has the means that they might lend you the money until, you know, you'd want to draw it up with paperwork until, you, you know, do it legally with your, with your financial professional or your attorney, um, get a loan or have your uh, a loved one pay for the fees at the assisted living until you get 
your uh, your home sold. Right. Um, I mean, it can be really tricky. I mean, hopefully you have some money to start the process with assisted living because many senior living communities do require a deposit, you know, and, and just like moving into an apartment, a, a couple of months of rent. So, yeah, I mean, I know that that can be a challenge, but the, that would be another reason to start sooner rather than later. You remember in the beginning right. of the conversation, you said, when's the right time to move? I think the right time to move is before when you start having some problems, you start relying and you're becoming a little more dependent, but you're not, you don't feel like you're quite there. That's when you really want to say, you know what, time to look at selling the house, time to look at the options. Don't make the mistake of, you know, having a bad fall and, and the discharge planners at the hospital say, eh, you got nowhere to go, you got to go home. Um, or you can't go home, rather, and it, right. just look. Take a look at what is in your community, uh, places that you would consider, and, and, and rule places out, rule places in. And it's the same advice if your loved one has dementia. You're going, most people, you cannot take care of a loved one who has dementia indefinitely. Yeah. It's too physically taxing. Yeah, and I, I've always wondered why there, there wasn't a business model, someone to try to solve this gap uh, issue um, a, l- a little bit more Eloquently, in a sense that you know, you could imagine some assisted living facilities basically partnering with realtors, and um, in the same way that Zillow now will essentially try to buy your home. It's probably not going to be the best price out there, but essentially trying to do more partnerships to try to make that transition a little bit more smooth. I would think there would be some margin to that type of business. But Jennifer, fantastic job once again. Thanks so much for coming back on the show. A free copy of the book from Arden Courts, 888-478-2410. Thank you so much, Kent. Yeah, and thanks so much for coming, and thanks for offering that book on this show. And you can find out more about Jennifer by going to her website, which is jenniferfitzpatrick.com. Again, jenniferfitzpatrick.com. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.